Hey everyone, welcome back to Adherent Apologetics. So glad you're joining me today. This is the beginning of a new series where we've been taking a look at cosmological arguments for the existence of God. This video is going to provide you a brief history of cosmological arguments. In future videos, you're going to deal with things like types of cosmological arguments, objections, and go into a lot more detail about some of the thinkers that we're going to be talking about today. So without further ado, this is lecture number one of cosmological arguments, a brief history of a cosmological argument. So what is a cosmological argument? The Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy is how I'm going to be basing this entire series on, and they define a cosmological argument as something that uses a general pattern of arguments that make an inference from particular alleged facts about the universe to existence of a unique, unique being generally identified with or referred to as God. So the first person we're going to be looking at today is Plato. Um, his cosmological argument is perhaps the first one, that, at least that we have in writing. And in the quote from his laws, he says, Therefore, we, we shall assert that insomuch as the self-moving motion is the starting point of all motions, and the first to arise in things, at rest, and to exist in things, in motion, it is of necessity that the most ancient and potent change of all, while the motion which is altered by another thing and itself moves others comes second. So here's kind of this idea of the first mover in a sense. And Aristotle in the fourth century also says, fourth century BC, he argues that the universe is going to need an explanation for its existence. It must come from something. Why do we have this world? Well, there must be something that causes it. Um, and from this idea that there must be a cause for the universe, he rules out the idea of an infinite regression, um, providing the explanation for the universe. So there must be some sort of first cause, a first mover. Um, he's going to develop things like the shifts from potentiality to actual actuality, which is going to help develop their Aristotelian proof, which, you know, your boy Thomas Aquinas is going to pick up on. So we're going to jump forward ahead now to the time after Christ. Ibn Sina, um, writing right around 1000 AD, talks about um, uh, kind of an argument from contingency. This is a summary from Ed Fazer. Um, you can see Fazer's blog on this in the course, in the resources, uh, the description here. Um, and Sina starts by saying something exists. And then whatever exists is either possible or necessary. But if that's something which exists is necessary, then there's a necessary existence. And whatever is possible has a cause. So if that's something which exists is possible, then it has a cause. And then the totality of all possible things is either necessary in itself or possible in itself. So, number seven, the totality cannot be necessary in itself since it exists only through the existence of its members. So the totality of possible things is possible in itself, so the totality of possible things has a cause. This cause is either internal to the totality or external to it. If it is eternal to the totality, then it is either necessary or possible. But, number 12, it cannot, in that case, be necessary because the totality is comprised of possible things. And it also cannot be the case, and it also cannot be possible, since it is the cause of all possible things. It would, in that case, be its own cause, which would make it necessary and not possible after all, which is a contradiction. So the cause of the totality of possible things is not internal to that totality, but external to it. But if it is outside the totality of possible things, then it would be necessary. So there is a necessary existence. This is a Sina in the 11th century giving a novel um, contingency argument. Al-Ghazi, which I'm sure if you know William Lane Craig, you've probably heard of this guy. He develops a Kalam-style argument. So Craig quotes Al-Ghazi saying, Every being which begins has a cause for its beginning. Now the world 
is a being which begins therefore it possesses a cause for its beginning um so al-ghazi argues that the world is full of temporal things preceded by other temporal things and since this temporal chain cannot last forever um the chain must have an end in a first cause which would be god so here you can see al-ghazi saying yeah we don't like this whole infinite regress idea because it totally violates um these like intuitions and such and here's some paradoxes maybe to show it um so there's got to be some sort of first cause and this brings us to thomas aquinas and if you're a thomas i'm sorry you probably gonna think this guy's crazy for not representing Aquinas properly, but does anyone actually understand Aquinas? Um, so Aquinas's three first three ways are probably cosmological arguments. The first way says that there's a universe that is moved by something else, so there must be a first mover. The second way says that there's an efficient cause resulting in change for things. Every efficient cause has an efficient cause, and there cannot be an efficient, an infinite chain of efficient causes, so there must be an immutable first cause, which would be God. And his third way, which is an argument for contingency, which is possible beings are capable of existing and not existing existing, um, many natural things could possibly not exist. And without a necessary being, no possible being would exist. The necessary, cannot, the necessary being cannot be um, caused by something else, but being necessary, it would be God. Leibniz, um, in the 17th century, is going to appeal to principle of sufficient reason. He says that no fact can be real or existing, and no statement true without a sufficient reason for its being so, and not otherwise. So this is an argument, and I developed this from a lecture from Notre, the University of Notre Dame, where I'm using, I'm not, I didn't develop it, but I'm using their argument to kind of summarize um, Leibniz, I'd probably butchered his last name. I'm sorry if you're in heaven and you're like, what is this guy doing? Uh, my bad fam. Um, but here's this argument from contingency, which says any contingent fact about the world must have an explanation. It is contingent fact that there are contingent things. Maybe there's a possible world where there is no contingent facts. Um, the fact that there are contingent things must have an explanation. The principle of sufficient reason. Um, the fact that there are contingent things can't be explained by any contingent things. Um, and then, so the fact that there are contingent things must be explained by something whose existence is not contingent. Therefore, there would be a necessary being. Samuel Clark also um, writing around a little bit after Leibniz says that suppose for um, reductio that everything there is is part of an infinite series of dependent things. So Samuel Clark's interesting because he's willing to grant the whole infinite regress idea, um, which is something that Aquinas would probably agree with in terms of granting it. Um, so number two, then the series as a whole has no cause from without. Um, because it's hypothesized to include everything that there is, and the series as a whole has no cause from within. If it had a cause from within, then that thing would be its own case, making it a necessary being, violating this assumption. So the whole series is without any cause, but this cannot be so. So we must cause it, posit the existence of God to explain the existence of this infinite series. Sammy Clark's kind of looking at this and saying, hey, you're using this infinite regress to try to explain everything, but it actually explains nothing. Um, so that's a very interesting idea. Now, in Asian philosophy, there's a little bit in the cosmological arguments. Eudania, in uh, very complicated title if you're looking at this on youtube um says that the universe must have a maker as its cause because the universe takes the form of an effect and also in the naya tradition in india it's they say that the universe has parts so they come that come into existence so they must have a cause um maybe there could be an infinite regress but lacking such evidence uh there must be a god that exists as a first cause and you also deal with some of the objections to um the cosmological arguments it's just like how can god cause a material universe if he's immaterial and disembodied um there's possible responses like god could take a material form or maybe god could 
create in other ways. Um, so interesting ideas in Asian philosophy and the cosmological argument. Now we get to David Hume, who attacked the causal principle. He said, why should we move from everything that begins to exist have a cause to saying that the universe itself has a cause? In his dialogues, he says, the whole you can say once a cause. I answer that the uniting of these parts into the whole, like the uniting of several districts, counties into one kingdom, or several distinct members into one body, is performed merely by an arbitrary act of mind and has no influence on the nature of things. He also says that in such a chain too, or succession of objects, each part is caused by that, that which preceded it and causes that which succeeds it. Where then is this difficulty? But the whole you say wants a cause. I answer that, again, that uniting these parts into the whole, like uniting several distinct counties into one kingdom or several distinct members into one body is performed merely by an act of the mind um, and no influence on, it's just no influence on the nature of things. So I use that last part again twice to kind of hammer down what on David Hume is saying here. He's saying, you know, these Christians here or these theistic philosophers are saying, yeah, we need to explain the whole universe. And David Hume's like, well, do we? We have, we can, if we can explain the parts, and the parts are just one part of one whole, and we have this whole, maybe that's the end of explanation, and we're done here, and we can pack up our bags, and with an infinite regress, if we have an explanation for the thing before it, and the thing before it, like, we're done here. Um, Immanuel Kant also is going to attack the cosmological argument. Um, he argues that the cosmological argument really just relies on the ontological argument, especially with the second assertion where he sees two parts of a cosmological argument. First part arguing for necessary being, the second part saying that this necessary being is God. And he's going to say, especially when we get from how do we get from a necessary being to God, we're going to need to do an ontological argument instead of a cosmological argument. We can't get to God specifically through a cosmological argument. Modern skepticism. There's a lot of skepticism about cosmological arguments today. Alvin Plantinga in 1967 is famous for saying that this piece of natural theology is ineffective. Um, there's many philosophers today, such as Michael Martin, John Mackey, Quentin Smith, B.D. Rundle, Wes Morrison, Graham Oppie, and more that are going to argue that no version of the cosmological argument is sound. Some common objections, and then we'll get to these in future videos covering different kind of like ideas, are like some things like the infinite regress, denying the causal principle and the gap problem. There's things like the taxi cab problem, which are objections to causal cosmological arguments that we will cover in future lectures. That's going to be exciting, so stay tuned there. Um, so let's get some of the more modern forms of the cosmological argument. We have Rob Coons, who's actually on our show to talk about this argument, um, where she first provides five kind of like premises. Um, all parts of the necessary fact are themselves necessary. Every contingent fact is a wholly contingent part. If there's any contingent facts, there's a wholly contingent fact. If there are any contingent facts, they have a cause, and every contingent fact overlaps C. So his first conclusion is that if there are any contingent facts, then C is a cause that is a necessary fact. And then how do we get from a necessary fact to be God? He's going to say that the cause of the cosmos includes the existence of the necessary being. Um, God is not a mere composite or aggregate object. God has all the basic attributes by necessity. All the parts of God have all of their attributes by necessity. God has only immeasurable attributes. God is not located in space or time. And God is not essentially a physical object, nor is it essentially constituted by physical objects. So Rob Coons in 1997 gave a really interesting cosmological argument. And you may have heard of this guy. He's, you know, the little bit popular just a little bit named William Lane Craig he developed or helped popularize the Kalam cosmological argument which says whatever begins to exist has to cause the universe begin to exist therefore the universe has a cause and most people like that's a very simple form of the Kalam but he can go further and like his work with J.P. Moreland in 2009 um, where he says the universe has a cause building off of the Kalam if the universe has a cause then an uncaused personal creator of the universe exists who is without the universe beginningless changeless immaterial timeless spaceless and enormously powerful um, and so he says therefore an uncaused personal creator 
creator of the universe exists, who is beginningless, changeless, immaterial, timeless, spaceless, and enormously powerful. So then like Craig has made the climb a pretty big deal. We got our guy, Alex Proust, pretty smart guy. He develops a, a form of contingency argument. This is from the Blackwell Companion of Natural Theology. He says that every contingent fact has an explanation. There's a contingent fact that includes all other contingent facts. Therefore, there's an explanation of this fact. This explanation must involve the necessary being, and this necessary being is God. Finally, Richard Swinburne also would reject deductive forms of the cosmological arguments, maybe citing a planning a little bit there, but he's going to say that inductively it holds weight as evidence for the existence of God. Um, Swinburne in the existence of God says there's quite a chance that if there is a God, he will make something of the finitude and complexity of a universe. It's very unlikely that a universe would exist uncaused, but rather more likely that God would exist uncaused. The existence of the universe can be made comprehensible if we suppose that it is brought about by God. So that's the history of cosmological arguments in a very short lecture form. But let's talk about the future. There's many great scholars working on this. You got Josh Rasmussen, Andrew Loki, Alex Malpass, Graham Oppie, all these people that are working and developing cosmological arguments along with many other philosophers. Um, it's really interesting where the history of cosmological arguments is maybe 50 years from now. So maybe if this video is still up and maybe if more than like 10 people watch it, it'd be interesting to kind of be like, well, what's this old timer Zach's got to say about the cosmological argument now that we've debunked it or prove God through it um, 50 years from now. So thank you so much for watching this video. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you're listening to this a few days in advance, hopefully we have the next video on cosmological arguments out. The second video is probably going to be on types of cosmological arguments. Um, please subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're listening via podcast. also encourage you to subscribe. And if you enjoy the channel, please consider becoming a patron. Um, your support on patreon.com slash here in apologize means so much to me. So grateful for all you guys. We're about 85% of the way to our funding goal as I record this video so you can join up for as little as a dollar a month and then you can also just be a yearly subscriber so you pay your subscriber fee uh right now and then you're done for a year and you never hear about it for a year so please consider becoming a patron have a good one everyone and god bless thank you for your time hmm.